everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. It's a beautiful day, and you should see the lineup of carbohydrates mm, and getting alcohol ready for Thanksgiving. in this studio. My God, mm-hmm. here goes that diet. So we got a great show today. Uh, Susan Sadagova is the Director of Strategic Development for Foreign Policy Magazine. They're hosting a big summit called the Food Forever Solutions Summit, and it's all to address um, and discuss pressing issues facing our global food system Although I think we might have solved it with all the food that's in the studio today. That's just, <laughs> just a come guess. Just here and then you'll eat. Uh, Javier Arze is the founder of Huntsman Specialty Game and More. It's a field-to-table wild game company. We're going to hear all about that. Sounds like some hunting to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Susie and Bill Menard are in. They own Via Umbria in Georgetown. Great place to go for Umbrian, that is Italian, for you the folks who don't know. Great gift ideas. They have a great restaurant there. We're going to hear all about Basically, the holidays in Italy, right in Georgetown. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Who else have we got? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, the Butter Chicken Company is yes. here. Uh, Assad Sheikh is here. Uh, Butter Chicken um, is a fast, casual concept that opened up just in October down on 18th Street, and he has brought food in, too. Oh, my God. Okay, and we've got drinks in studio. Oh, boy, Dan Ziegler. Dan's here. He's the founder of Chaco Spirits. He's got Chaco Jalapeno Aguardiente, which is a sugarcane-based liqueur. Liquor or liqueur? Liquor. Liquor, baby. All right. (laughs) We're going to be drinking that, too. But first, we're going to go talk to Mitch Berliner at Central Farm Markets. We're not going to because he didn't get back on the phone. So we're going to jump over Mitch and talk to Dan. Hey, Dan, come on up to that mic. All right. All righty. So how's a nice boy like you end up with uh, jalapeno-based Whatever liquor, I don't even get it. How did? Yeah, so it is what a, is this uh, stuff? So it's a jalapeno infused aguardiente, which is the national drink of Colombia. It's a South American sugarcane alcohol. So I went down to uh, Colombia on vacation with some college buddies of mine a few years ago. Found out about the kind of liquor, uh, fell in love, and came back home to DC. And for a couple of years, I was moonshining right out of my kitchen. But what made you decide to start kick. making it? Like, was there nothing else available? Or Yeah, I thought all the existing stuff that was spicy on the market um, tasted kind of very artificial and or was too spicy, not spicy enough. Mm-hmm. So it started just as a hobby, having my friends and my family be my guinea pigs. And as more and more of them were like, hey, man, this stuff is legit. Um, I figured out the business side, the licenses, the permits, everything like that. And uh I launched about four years ago and quit my job three years ago to go full-time with it. So tell us about what's in the spirit. Like, what exactly we're looking at. Don't look at it. Look at me. Yep. So we got uh, two spirits um, (laughs) It's radio. So the the original. (laughs) So the original, the OG, is uh, clear. It's unaged. Mm -hmm. Um, It's distilled from sugarcane. So technically, if we had to put it in one of the five majors, it would fall under the rum family. A lot of people, when they taste it with the jalapeno, they want to put it in tequila. Uh, But technically, with the sugarcane, it's um, under the rum family. Okay. So it's really nice and smooth up front. You get a little bit of sweetness What's in that sugar What's the alcohol content? Uh, 35% on the original, 40% on the barrel age. Okay. So the original is what I launched four years ago. The barrel age, I actually just launched about a month and a half ago. Congratulations. Aged in used bourbon barrels. Yeah, thank you. So um, where, where's your distillery? 
Uh, so I don't have my own distillery. It's not legal out of my kitchen, uh, unfortunately. Or your bathtub or uh, yep, the sink. Or... Exactly. Um, so to go legal and everything, I uh, found a guy in Iowa, of all places. I go out there. I do every batch using my uh, myself, using his equipment, his permits, and everything like that. Throw it on a pallet, and it meets me back here. Um, but actually, just recently, I did sign a lease on a distillery space in D.C. Cool. So I'm working on getting the permits and everything like that. Um, but uh, yeah, right now still uh, just well, kind of Well, why don't you pass it. around the original and we'll all get a sip. And then when we come back to later to in the show. Tell everybody, Dan's parents thought he was going to be a doctor. Okay. So. <laughs> when we come back later in the show, we'll talk about what we're tasting and everything about that. So, all right. So you. while we're waiting to get Mitch on the phone, let's start talking to Susan Sadegova, who is with Foreign Policy Magazine. Uh, the Food Forever Solution Summit sounds fascinating. What drove Foreign Policy Magazine to put this thing together in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Very, very excited to be here. So just to kind of uh, give you a brief uh, overview of the summit and what it is about. Mm -hmm. um, we actually, as I'm sure you know this better than I do, there's so many food events out there, big conferences. You have a so, nice soft voice. I'm going to move your mic closer. Oh, yeah, thank yeah. you. Just so many food events out there talking about the challenges in global food security space, right? So as Well, food security, food waste, sustainability, exactly. like all these buzzwords are out. Right. There and you're right. There's a ton of exactly. panels, but right. nobody like there's nobody yeah. knows what's happening. Do you know exactly. what I mean? That's a good point. So there's, I mean, you could have a conference that would last a week or even more, just right. talking about food security. Mm -hmm. So what we did at Foreign Policy was that we actually sat down for I would say two weeks, thinking through how we can put together event that would be different from everything else that's out there, but mm -hmm. at the same time it would actually have some results, impact, because. You know, you can bring together like 20, 50 speakers just talking about food security, right? Right. So the concept we came up with is that um, instead of talking about the many challenges that are out there in food security space, we want to pick three or four challenges and build the entire summit around the solutions to those challenges. So instead of how we're doomed, which we could be in by 2050 because, you know, there's climate change that's impacting crop diversity and all that. But how can you solve those problems? Is this on a global scale you're talking about? It is a global. Foreign Policy is a global media company. 50% of our audience is outside of U.S. So mm -hmm. this is very much a global conversation. Our speakers are global speakers, global experts. So what we are trying to do, and we feel like we've already accomplished that, is that we are not just having a solutions conversation with one segment of food or ag supply chain. We are not having a conversation with only private sector or with only farmers or mm -hmm. with only government agencies. We're actually bringing everyone together, and that's the key part. So we have a farmer on the same panel with a big corporation, with um, a congressman or a regulator talking about the solutions that they bring to the um, challenge. And there are several topics that we've selected. Obviously, one of them is... Um, biodiversity and sustainable food systems. Mm -hmm. We have uh, food security in a carbon-constrained world and climate impact on that. Mm -hmm. We have a, a challenge called sustainable, you know, disrupting the food industry and how new companies are actually coping with the changing landscape of supply chain. So these are kind of the main topics that we're going to focus so on. So it's an all-day symposium, right? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. Okay, that's so all day. Yeah, it has two elements. So that's mm -hmm. the main part, the solution summit. And I would like to highlight some of the key speakers we have. We've Please. got um, TV personality and chef Carla Hall, who will do the keynote of the event. Mm -hmm. We have Senator Cindy Heide-Smith, who's really a big champion in that space. We have a mm -hmm. couple of congressmen. We have USDA represented. We have big companies like 
Bear Crop Science, Pepsi, some of these big players in space. We have a farmer from Maryland coming and talking about the solutions that he brings to the table as mm-hmm. well. So is the hope that everybody will speak but then sort of sit together and work on actual solutions or is it still just presenting the problem? Right. No. So that's the key. So the task, every speaker has a homework. Don't come to us the problem. We already know what the problems are. Right. Bring the solutions that your field brings to the table. So mm-hmm. if you're a farmer, bring your solution. If you're a big corporation, what's your solution? Right. Well, what about, uh, because it used to be said that we, and, and I think we still do, have enough food in the U.S. to feed everybody, but there's so much food waste that right. actually 40 million people go to bed hungry every night. Right. Is that is food waste part of the conversation? Well, so that's the challenge. Like I said, there were so many food challenges we had to pick, only three right. and four. Mm-hmm. Food waste is a topic well, that we'll focus on at, during next year's summit, which sure. is scheduled for May 2020 around mm-hmm. UN Bi- Biodiversity Day. Mm-hmm. So, but we'll have we'll touch upon food waste because we have speakers who really specialize in that field. And let's talk about you have this other like evening event. Yeah. That um, I don't know. Can the public participate in that? Uh, so we ha- the space is limited. Uh, right. We'll be able to host only 200 people. And I'm glad you brought it up. In fact, we do have some space available if anyone listening right now is very mm-hmm. keen to attend. We invite you to check the website, uh, foreignpolicy.com slash events, and you can request an invitation. Right, right, but they don't know what the event is, so can you so explain ex- it? Absolutely. So that's the second part of the initiative, right? Mm-hmm. It's called Food Forever Experience. Uh, Food Forever Experience is essentially a awareness-raising campaign that is focused on, um, you know, getting people think more creatively about biodiversity of crops. I'm just going to put some numbers out there to kind of put this whole thing into perspective. That would be great. We have around 30,000 varieties of plants in the world right now. And you and I, everyone, we're using only 150 plants every day. Mm-hmm. In, like cooking, chefs are using only 150. And 60% of our calories is essentially coming from four crops. That's rice, soy, corn, corn. and wheat. Mm-hmm. But there's so many out there that we are not using. And that's what Food Forever campaign is about. We're partnering with them. It's part of our crop charts. Uh, um, organizations, a nonprofit based out of Europe, and we're partnering with them as well. But the whole campaign is about preserving biodiversity of crops for future generations. So mm-hmm. what's happening is that we have um, amazing list, amazing lineup of up to 10 chefs, very famous chefs from this area, and I can name some of them. Mm-hmm. They're actually donating their time to cook the food of the future. So each chef will get an ingredient. I don't even know what they are because we don't use them, like right. algae or teff or sea kelp or, you know, some of mm-hmm. this. I, d- I don't know. I have no idea what they are, what they right. taste like. But they're going to use uh, a create a food recipe using those ingredients, and they'll serve it to our guests. That's amazing. Well, I think it's so important for people to understand what biodiversity means as a part of this conference. And right. You know, understanding that they're just like seafood sustainability, right? Right. So, you know, people eat salmon or tuna. Right. You know, we all know just like some fish, but there's all these other fish that are really important for us to eat to keep everything sustainable. It's the same with the grains. Exactly. So sea kelp is one of them I would mention. It's an ingredient Mm -hmm. we don't know. We know nothing about, but... It's an ingredient very much we can use every day. So chefs are actually going to use those to cook those. Well, mm-hmm. what's interesting, one of your stats here is that 60% of the world's caloric intake comes from four crops only, rice, wheat, she just soy, said that. soy right. corn. Right, wait. But but things have sort of worked their way into, like, you know, people that eat sushi eat seaweed now. You right, know, right. When I was growing up, you said you'll, you, we're having seaweed 
right. was part of our dinner. Right, right, right. But that's not enough. So that's the thing. So climate. So I mean, UN, uh, you may have heard, released this report earlier this year, and uh, climate has actually a much more accelerating effect on biodiversity mm-hmm. than anticipated, and that's a, that's a big problem. So we, we, what we want people to do is really think more creatively about other ingredients that are out there. You're right. I mean, we use seafood in like sushi, in sushi but salad. there's so many out there. It doesn't have to be sea-related plants. There's so many plants out there that we don't really, like I said, algae. Like, again, I don't even know what it looks like, just to be fair with right. you. But, right, right. It looks like green goop. Well, probably. Like. Maybe something you wouldn't, you know, go into store and buy if it was available. I don't even know if it's available in stores, mm-hmm. but we want people to think, like, there are so many plants out there that you can actually use. They're good for you. They're healthy. I love and, that. And yeah, and you should definitely come and check out Taste the Food. Okay, so we have the event in the evening. There are some um, tickets available. Yes. And then maybe after the symposium, we can bring you back in studio and you can tell us what some of the results were. Yeah, absolutely. About some of the conversation. Absolutely. We'll have really a big report. That. Yeah, we'll have a big report about solutions that will come out of the event. So Excellent. Why don't we All take right. a break now? We'll come back and talk for two minutes uh, a little bit about Foreign Policy Magazine, which is so absolutely. interesting. Okay, great. This is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Mm-hmm. Susan, before we let you go, let's talk a little bit about Foreign Policy Magazine, which is a fascinating periodical. Yeah, absolutely. So Foreign Policy Magazine has been around for 50 years. It's known as a magazine, but we're mostly online right now. Mm -hmm. So most of our content is delivered via our website that has 4 million unique visitors every month. And we're 50% global, 50% US-based, meaning, you know, there are people in Europe, Africa, Latin America who read foreign policy every day, policymakers, global companies, and things Mm -hmm. like that. And there are several areas that we focus on, which is defense, security, trade, sustainable development, climate, food security are some of those. And we do write about those issues, but we also do events and convenings about them. But what's great, because I actually have been to the website a couple of times. It's 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 different points of view, too. It doesn't it doesn't carry the banner for any particular you know, political point of view or anything Absolutely. else. It's Absolutely. So that's one thing that we pride ourselves in that we don't, we represent both, if you will, points of view. So mm-hmm. we represent all perspectives. So okay. we don't take a stand. So it's pretty much. Hey, uh, well, tell everybody where they can find out all this information. Please. Yeah, absolutely. So if you, um, foreignpolicy.com is our website, but you want to find out more about the event, please go to foreignpolicy.com slash events and you'll find out more about the food event and all the other big summits Great. that are coming. All right. Thank you so much. Dan, right. step back up to the mic. Dan, tell us about this jet fuel. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so. no, I love it. It's super spicy and delicious. Yeah, so that's the original there, um, unaged, and you're going to get a lot of uh, really nice and smooth up front, a little bit of that sweetness from the sugar cane, Mm -hmm. and then a second later, that spicy pop kicks in from the jalapeno. Right, so uh, how do you advise people to drink this? Is this something you serve on ice? Well, they're not driving. Right. (laughs) But no, do you know what I mean? Like, is it a cocktail? What what do people, how do you recommend it? So it kind of goes across the board. Um, I love it by itself, um, neat or on the rocks, but it's definitely um, kind of intended for cocktails. Mm -hmm. Um, So with it neat. Uh, like I said, very smooth from an alcohol perspective. For some people, it's a little bit too spicy. Right. Um, it's not just spicy to be spicy. You get the really vegetal kind of greenness to it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as cocktail goes, there's classic cocktails and specialty cocktails on the classic right. side. Margaritas. I'm making a riff on a mule um, here today, a little kind of uh, specialty mule. Um, but yeah, Margs, Mojitos, Bloody Marys, Daiquiris. Oh, um, it can is, really be a vodka, tequila, or rum for a Bloody Mary. That oh, yeah. makes a ton of sense. That yep, sounds like no a better great way to idea. wake up in the morning than a nice chacho right. bloody. Okay, so what are we trying next? 
All right, so next is the uh, nope. barrel-aged version. Okay. Um, so like I said, I just launched this about a month, month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. It's the same juice as original Chacho, uh, but a little bit more alcohol. And then What aged- does Chacho mean? So Chacho, uh, so for the viewers, you can't, or the listeners, you can't see this, but on the label, very simple label, uh, just Chacho and a llama on the front. So when I was in Colombia, uh, I was actually riding a llama through Named the streets Chacho. of Bogota. Mm-hmm. Yeah, drunk on a guardiente for my first time when the light bulb went off and I got the whole idea to do this thing. And that llama's name was Chacho. I love it. So I figured great. it was only right to name my booze after my Did man, you get a Chacho speeding the ticket? llama. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> all right. So while you're pouring the next one for us all to taste, we're going to do a little we're going trip to Italy. To Italy. Andiamo in Italia. Tutti, yes. tutti. Mm-hmm. We're going to go to Umbria. So Bill and Susie Menard have created a whole world for themselves. I mean, these are two two Yanks. Who fell in love with Italy in college, right? Do I remember the story right? Or there... more in law school. Law school. Law school. Okay, and they gave up law and all of that, and um, first they created a store called Via Umbria, and now they've got a whole no, context. No, no. The store was not first. You're just you're just making up the information. Uh, but I'm saying I'm jumping ahead. I mean, they fell in love with Italy. Why don't you let them tell their story? Tell your story. Come on. We actually were going to start off by saying, "Well, you really know our story," and so uh, I no, know no, your don't story. do that. She doesn't. She doesn't know anything. Um, but, uh, you know, for, for uh, visitors to Via Umbria, which is in Georgetown, by the way, on Wisconsin mm-hmm. Avenue. So I was right about 15, that. 25, you're absolutely right. Uh, it's, it could be a bit confusing because we're a little bit of everything. But uh, the name Umbria is uh, a region in Italy uh, that we've fallen in love with, but we love everything about all of Italy. Uh, I know you guys have traveled there and enjoyed it. Um, and, and so we've got uh, what may be a little bit of a confusing thing with a, a, a market, uh, with meat, cheese. We've got a restaurant, a cafe. We do chef's table. We've we got a wine store. Wine store. I mean, a lot of imported goods. And we're going to show you some of the stuff we brought back. We actually also have a, a, a farmhouse in, in Umbria that we rent out. Oh, by the rub week. it in, Bill. Come on. <laughs> exactly. Okay, here, here's where it gets better is we just got back from our harvest tour. And that's where we found all this great stuff to bring home with us. So, well, you guys take people to your house, right? So Correct. you do trips over there. When we went yeah. to Umbria three years ago, I can't believe it's it was been three too years long. ago. I know. <laughs> but when we went, you guys really were instrumental in helping us make oh that God. trip yeah, fantastic because right? you hooked us up with fantastic guides in uh, Perugia yeah. and Assisi. And we went truffle hunting. Correct. And we went yeah. truffle hunting. I mean, we really, you guys really helped us. See parts of Umbria that I don't think we would have seen exactly if we just went. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, we have a we have a great base to get around from where our house is, and within thirty minutes, max an hour, you can do all and see all and spend like a week is not enough to do everything no. that you want to do. Well, Absolutely. now that you've made everybody in the studio hate you. Uh, <laughs> so when you went, so on yeah. your last trip, because uh-huh. the store has like you have gorgeous linens, you have beautiful ceramics, ceramics, but you also have lots of food stuff, many of which you brought in today. Indeed. How do you go about finding the products that you want to bring in? Well, first of all, Nikki, if we're not eating, drinking, and shopping, right. we're not working. What are you doing? <laughs> right, exactly. This sounds like my kind of job. Yeah, so exactly. the, oh, yeah. the bread that you're tasting, um, we toasted, and we just mm-hmm. put on it some of the um, olio novello, which is the oil from this year's harvest. So okay. those olives were on the trees back in October. They were mm-hmm. picked, pressed, and air shipped over. So unlike wine, olive oil is best when it's young. So mm-hmm. it doesn't get any fresher than this. No, and we're one of the so few delicious. stores in the States that actually brings over the new oil. So right. we've and got, we've, and we've been there. We watched them pick it. So we know it's from 
Italy, and we know which farm it's from. And you hear about you know first pressing and whatnot, but uh, it's only that just means that they pressed it and they didn't press it a second time. What we got in front of us is really available only for a couple. About a month or so. Uh, it's uh, they harvest in October, which is what we got to see, uh, and these are like the earliest uh, kind of immature olives, and so it, it comes up with an olive oil that is uh, just a little bit more intense and, and absolutely, absolutely beautiful. And for those of you who aren't watching us either on Insta Story or Facebook Live, they just doused a piece of bread in the olive oil. Oh, like yeah. You don't need to do. That's Anything it. else with it? Yeah. It's and delicious. And I just ate a piece of bread down <laughs> yes. in the olive oil, and it's <laughs> good. We're, we're, on, we're on the carb train, and we're I, on and the I, carb train. And I guess exactly. one thing, Italy. If well, you're adventurous. And, for, and for starters, keep in mind, like in the next thirty days, you're going to eat carbs. You're going to eat a lot they of different well foods. Good ones. Exactly. exactly. Yes. Yeah. Can I'm we talk you. a little about panettone? Because because ultra uber traditional panettone is with the candied fruit, which I'd rather die than eat. Exactly. But this. Is this one. is panettone. Panettone with chocolate. We've got, I think, 40 different kinds yeah. of panettone that we brought in. Yeah, everybody uh, and, dig in. Uh, you know, a lot I mean, of people think of panettone kind of like a, a fruitcake on steroids. Yeah. Right. To some extent it is. It's but a gift uh, that keeps on giving because you keep regifting it's it. It's an amazing, it's an amazing product. No. Susie, Susie gone and visited uh, the, the company, Louison. Again, uh, I had to go to the bakery and eat all the panettone. Yeah, right. we've got an <laughs> incredible video on our website uh, via umbria.com. Uh, which if you go to the Panettone page, they actually show them making this. So this stuff rises for like 48 hours, the dough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, you can tell it it, it, uh, it lasts forever and it's delicious. And particularly when you get uh, chocolate in it, oh, like as, as opposed make, to candy fruit, You know what you should do really with good. it? Right. French toast. French yeah, toast. French toast, French toast, toast with Panettone. Well, like, forget the brioche or And enjoyed it. But keep in mind, like, there's, we have the classic panettone, so with the candied fruits. But we also have with white chocolate and lemon peel, we have with... Um, candy chestnuts we have mm-hmm. with meringue and then we also have my new favorite which is the um salted chocolate and caramel i mean that no, sounds that's delicious. Right. This is delicious the so panettone with meringue is killer on your <laughs> most recent trip what was one or two things that you found that you were like i can't believe we haven't carried this before was there anything new that you were really blown away by we're always intrigued when we go over there about like every little town you go to is going to have their own specific thing that's there that, mm-hmm. that is their tradition so whether you've had like amaretti cookies from one city, when you try them from another place, they're going to taste a little bit different and they're going to have a, a different thing. So one of the things we brought today are the amaretti cookies in the in the the Italians can package like nobody's business. Yeah. If you're looking right. for a hostess style. gift or a teacher's <laughs> gift or something, all you have to do is come in, pick one thing up, put it in a bag and it's wrapped and ready to go. Well, you know, actually, like Absolutely. the panettone, like... It never occurred to me to give a panettone as a teacher gift, mm-hmm. but it is literally perfect. It's yeah. always they're always wrapped beautifully. It's a gorgeous gift. Yeah, how pretty is that? Um, and and same thing with those amaretti right cookies. Those are also perfect. What's what's the? Is that a calendar? And we've got calendar? the advent calendar. Okay. So yeah. we've got them for kids, and we've got them. We got them for kids and grown-ups. Yes. <laughs> and we drink wine. But uh, you know, very quickly, we, I, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of people. Are not familiar. Umbria. We used to refer to Umbria as South Tuscany. Yeah. I mean, it's Who's the we? province we, we who know Italy. Okay. Um, but it's where Perugia and Assisi are, and That's it's correct. it's within you know an hour of Florence, and it's a, a really and a still undiscovered. Yeah, an not an hour and a half. An hour. An hour yeah, it half. depends. It's an But my point is, it's a part of Italy that is really almost still. Not completely, but almost invisible to you know the horde of American tourists. It's a 
you're absolutely right. It's a gorgeous place with gorgeous people. It's uh, the, what people love about Tuscany, the countryside, uh, the, sort of the culture and all that. You find that all in, in Umbria, but it's much more authentic still because it hasn't been uh, discovered and overrun. And I would say, you know, we just got back from the, the trip in Umbria where we, we take the tours a couple times a year, but then we rent out the house the rest of the year. We've got a, a nice staff a couple that takes care of the property. They came over to our daughter's wedding uh, mm-hmm. in uh, September. Congratulations. Along with, uh, thank anyway. you. Along it was with amazing. About, about a dozen other. As we say in Italy, muzzle tub. <laughs> <laughs> they came along with about a dozen other of our uh, suppliers and people that we've built relationships with over the years. And it really is, it's it's not just a business. It really is, it's not really a family, but it's it's It's, connect, it's our family. It's connections. It yeah. And so we've nice. met a bunch of those people. We have. Which wines did you bring? Let's talk well, about the wines. because that the party? Is that the party? That's one of the party wines. Parties it's were at the P-A-R-D-I, wedding. not T-Y. Right. A party but what, party. Yeah. But we brought these in particular because we've got a good selection right now in the store of large format bottles. In other words, not Which just single great. bottles, yeah. double bottles. Parties. Particularly around the holidays. Uh-huh. And so these are priced. Is that the uh, Sagrantino? This yep. one's Sagrantino, yeah. yeah. And then this one's a Barolo. And uh-huh. they, they, I mean, these right. large format Barolo. Bo- they're, they're pretty good. <laughs> but Barolo is... Oh, we do things from all over. But that's Italy, not Umbrian. It is not. We do no. from all around. But, okay. but let's yeah. wait. Let's do a quick plug for the the party wines with P A R D I, which are it's a very it's a kind of a small batch, yeah. you know, vineyard. And we had the thanks to you the yeah. opportunity to go there and, and and meet the family and go to the vineyard. And, and check out um, their linens. And check out, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. And they made us buy their linens, but <laughs> the grandma. And we have tablecloths at the store yeah, if sure anybody needs for the holidays. But, I mean, these wines are, you know, they're beyond reasonably priced, Absolutely. and they are spectacular. Absolutely. And these are just the baby bottles. So these are the, the one-and-a-half-liter bottles, but we have three-liter bottles. We have six-liter bottles. So if you're looking for have, like, a big impact or family celebration. Right. Now, it looks like you brought sparkling, too. What kind of sparkling did you bring? We did. This is something we've fallen in love with over the last few years. We go to Verona every year for mm-hmm. the, uh, what's called Vin Italy. It's a big wine show. Doesn't everyone. It's awful, yes. isn't it? <laughs> awful, isn't it? It's, a, and, it's, a, it's, a, it's work. I do oh, get invited every year. Not far from Verona is a, is a town called, uh, well, a, a zone called Franciacorta, and they make what would be, it's an analog to champagne. It's used as the same grapes and the same method. Uh, but it's actually it's slightly different, but it is absolutely gorgeous, a little bit less expensive, incredibly elegant, and great for the holidays. And we have a huge selection of different Franciacorta producers. So okay. come in and look for Beautiful. that. It's and really great. We, it, we don't say that it's made in the style of champagne. We say it's made in the style of Franciacorta. Exactly. And once you try it, you'll never go back. Well, I yeah. think it's really interesting because Prosecco has sort of been bastardized mm-hmm. in the United States. Yeah. You know, it's so sweet. Now. Like, I yeah. think they make, for the Americans, like a sweeter... Prosecco. So I'm fascinated that there's another sparkling now oh, that, yeah. you know, is more yeah. in the method. Exactly. But, Prosecco um, itself has to be from this zone that's over toward the Venice and the Veneto. It's huge. It's a huge area. So right. there's a huge amount of variety. And this we have is, some dry Prosecco in addition to yeah, these amazing I'm not dissing it, but you do yeah. know what I'm talking different. about. Uh, I different agree. process, different grape. All right. Tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, we are at 1525 Wisconsin Avenue. It's called Via Umbria. Also mm-hmm. on the web, www.viaumbria.com. And also you can find them uh, on Instagram, also at Via Umbria. And I do want to give a quick shout out to your chef, Liam Lasavita, mm-hmm. because he really does fabulous things. And I go there a lot. I sit in the cafe during lunch and work 
and it's um it's a darling place. So if you haven't been, you are missing out. Check out our uh, dinners at the chef's table with Liam. We actually have one coming up on uh, the fourth of December with the uh, the couple ceramicist friends. You've met them, I think. Uh, Federico was on last oh, year. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to do a dinner at the artist table where during dinner, which they'll have dinner with you, they're going to do a painting demonstration uh, and talk about their family, and then we're going to raffle not raffle off, but give away the what they they paint during the dinner, and everyone gets a twenty five percent discount on their ceramics for the rest of the year. Uh, so go to that. We have time to the black truffle dinner. And don't forget the Feast of the Seven Fishes. Feast of the Seven Fishes. All right, guys, thank you so much. This is David and Nikki Nellis, Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. Listen to the Federal Newscast every weekday to get the latest updates on agencies, contractors, and stories affecting your pay and benefits. Every 15 minutes, mornings and afternoons on 1500 AM and streaming at federalnewsnetwork.com. Subscribe to the Federal Newscast on Podcast One or Apple Podcasts and follow on Twitter at Federal Newscast. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Let's go back and talk to Dan Ziegler, who's an unlikely candidate to be to have, have founded Chaco Aguardiente, but he was drunk on a llama and the rest is history. Is that pretty much it? That's exactly so right. Why, what a story. Why barrel age it? Is that something that they're doing in Colombia? Or was it something you were like, I think this would be good age? So that's just totally something that I kind of thought would be um, it's a much fun little smoother. experiment. So, yeah, um, it gets a lot of the oak and bourbon. Mm -hmm. So it's used bourbon barrels I got from a distillery, a bourbon distillery down in Richmond, Virginia. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, you get a lot of the oak um, pulled through. That's what gives it the nice brown color as well. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's the, like I said, it's the same liquid as original Chacho just aged in those bourbon barrels. Yeah. I mean, I just, um, I mean, not that the original isn't delicious, but this is, it doesn't have as much of a bite. It's a lot smoother. So now are you using this in cocktails as well? Yeah, absolutely. So this, um, can also be drank neat on the rocks. Um, and a big part of the reason for this is also it's, uh, really enjoyable in the colder months. So the mm-hmm. fall and winter approaching and stuff, that's why I really wanted to get it out in advance of October. Sure. Um, but yeah, so on the cocktail front, this more drinks kind of like a spicy whiskey. Um, mm-hmm. Again, distilled from Without sugar cane, so it's under the same uh, rum family, but uh, definitely drinks like a whiskey. So I'm doing, today I'm doing an old-fashioned riff. Um, can make awesome Manhattans. Um, and then also kind of uh, makes a really good daiquiri and other type rum things. But um, I really love it as kind of a whiskey offshoot. Excellent. All right. Well, while you're doing that, we're going to You are the entrepreneur's entrepreneur. And speaking of that. Speaking of entrepreneurs. Javier Arce was, you were going to be an engineer, and now he's a huntsman. Indeed, <laughs> yes. More than a huntsman. He's more than a huntsman. So his his business is called Huntsman Specialty Game and More, and I'm going to let you explain what you do and how it came all about, all came about. Hi. So, David. Hi. Hi, Nikki. Hi. Thanks for having me here. Oh, my God. We're thrilled to have yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, me too. We've been talking I, about having you in for forever, a long time. I, right? I know, I know. So, well, it's actually a simple story. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I grew up, um, I was exposed to hunting um, by my dad and my uncle. So mm-hmm. I've always enjoyed the outdoors. And being out- outdoors, you learn to appreciate nature. And that's pretty much what drove me into doing what I do today. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Huntsman is a distributing company for specialty foods. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, um, uh, we distribute from Philadelphia down to Richmond. Um, uh, and um, we are also able to ship around the country, but uh, we sell to businesses, so we are B2B business. Um, And uh, our main job is to source ingredients that give chefs the opportunity to showcase their skills, but at the same time to use products that are responsibly raised, which is a very important part of my business. Mm-hmm. So, but what kind of products are we talking about? So, um, you're, you're, we're game? not just no, talking no. In about... Fact, in fact, I'd like to yeah. clarify uh, yes. um, um, really what game uh, means, right? Game meat. So you have wild game, mm-hmm. which uh, uh, 
basically is meats from animals that live in the wild mm -hmm. and um, can be hunted, mm -hmm. but generally cannot be sold in the food industry, uh, with certain exceptions. We, one of those is wild boar. Uh, wild boar can be sold. It needs to be inspected and processed just like domesticated uh, uh, pigs. Um, and uh, that, is that in the United States? That's in the United States, yes. So there's. I only uh, think of wild boar in Italy. Like that's the only indeed, place but, I think but, wild but boar you, is from. You might be surprised to know that there's over, over a million wild boar just in Texas. And it's actually a problem because they are destroying. I mean, in all. Arkansas, the team's nickname is the Razorbacks, and they're all running around out there right. in the woods. Right. So, okay. So, so, so she's yes. a city girl, folks. Yeah, so totally. that, that that's actually uh, uh, true, truly wild. If you mm -hmm. do have wild boar, you you're eating a wild pig because right. that's what that is. Right. Then uh, we can uh, we import or the wild, truly wild game meat like. Mm -hmm. um, uh, wood pigeon, okay, grouse, mm -hmm. um, and um, venison or deer. Red, well, I was going to say, I think when Scotland. people think of game, like that's where their heads go. Yes, they, and, think and, and deer, they think deer, they think um, buffalo. Do you know correct. what I mean? Like that's where their head yes. goes to. So, Rabbit. So, so you have wild game being mm -hmm. those, and then you have farm game meat. Okay. And there we have, you know, you can farm deer, bison, alligator, rabbit, squab, mm -hmm. whale. Pheasants, partridge, elk, all these meats are farmed and they have to be processed the same way as any other meats and they're they're farmed. They mm -hmm. live in a farm. But are they, because of the nature of the breeds, are they farmed more responsibly or that's something so, that you, when you're at, when you're going to work with people, that's what your priority well, well, is? Well, this is, here, here's what happens. Most people are used to uh, eating um just a few uh, proteins. Like, uh, David, I, I, I heard you say that you're a meat and potato kind of guy, right? <laughs> that is my rep, yes. Not hers, not Nikki's. No, no, no she's a little more cheesy. But, but here's the that, thing. But. Here's the thing. Um, it's not just you. It's the majority of Americans. We're used to eating uh, meats that are uh, factory farm produced, mm -hmm. right? Um, and... Um, so what happens with uh, game meats is they usually come from small farms. Um, uh, to give an example, our quail is produced uh, um, uh, by a small farm in Richmond, Beaver Creek Farms. He produces anywhere between 300, 350 quail a week. That's nothing, right? Mm -hmm. These are hand done. What happens is usually people that are doing this type of farming, they're going to be small farmers. Um, now, the uh, big agro industry is trying to get into it because it, it, the American palate is changing a little bit. People are a little bit more uh, open-minded to try different things, but there's still a lot more work to do. Uh, your earlier guest mentioned, uh, you know, uh, biodiversity, mm -hmm. and, and, and this, is, this, this uh, uh, plays a huge role in that because it gives people the opportunity to try different proteins, um, that may be better for the planet. Um, sometimes uh, uh, it can be uh, uh, like venison, for example, can be a, a type of meat that um, very, very few people are allergic to. So uh, it gives the option to certain people to uh, uh, have uh, meat that otherwise they wouldn't be able to eat. But I, don't you think part of it, you know, the, the culture has changed. So like in... in, in 
maybe the 1800s or 1900s, people ate all sorts of meat because they Indeed. hunted yes. for their protein instead right. of just picking it up well, in the grocery store. Well, that's how we evolved. That's right? how we, that, that's, that's, that's why we have the brain that's we have. That's for right. dinner. But, yeah. you know, but the question is now, how do we sort of educate people um, more of the general public, not just the people who eat in the fancy right. restaurants where you will see Indeed. rabbit and venison and right. buffalo uh, on the menu or get sausages made that way. How do we educate the general public that not only is the meat delicious and healthier mm-hmm. and avail, but available, but like how to do it at home? So, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, yeah. I think that's actually an excellent question. And I feel like you should hand me a piece of something on there, don't you? <laughs> well, we're, I want to make sure before we... Here's, here's what, I, what one thing I, I want to, okay. you know, and this is part of that of that uh, change that you're mm-hmm. talking about. Um, what what Game Meets offer is... Um, I was getting... So, so, so just let me explain what I have in here. Okay. I have duck pastrami, mm-hmm. duck prosciutto. Is that what I'm eating? Duck salami. Mm-hmm. No, and this is actually pork, and uh, and it comes from the Mangalitsa pig. So the reason I brought in here is that, for example, we there's people that have, uh, whether there may be a diet, dietary restrictions, whether they're religious or mm-hmm. uh, allergies or all that. Um, this is pork. Okay. The rest is uh, duck. duck. So you can, you can produce... Uh, chefs do like making pastrami's and and uh, and um, prosciuttos and things like that, oh, and so good. this gives mm-hmm. people the opportunity to taste these meats that otherwise they wouldn't be able to without right. you know compromising their own values. So I think that's one thing that meat that uh, uh, game meats offer. You know, besides the fact that they're usually leaner <coughs> uh, mm-hmm. than um, a conventionally raised beef or chicken. Mm-hmm. But how do we how do we educate? And going back to your question is. The main thing about just about everything we do is to be an open-minded kind of person, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and to live in the uh, in the moment and understand what really we're doing every time we put something in our mouth, right? Because sure, people like steak and nice and tender and fatty and all that, but if you stop and think about what you're doing, mm-hmm. you know where did it come from? To be you a know? thoughtful eater, you probably don't know. You, nobody knows where that, that like piece of meat comes from. Right where this is coming from. We, we know not only do uh-huh. we know where it comes from, we probably know a couple of generations back on those birds. Uh-huh. All right. Unfortunately, we got to move on. But I want to make sure, since particularly since you're a B2B business, yes. that all those bees out there listening know how to find you. Right. So my company's name is Huntsman. Uh, specialty Game and More. And we have a website. It's HuntsmanGame.com. Uh-huh. Uh, but more importantly, uh, uh it, it um, you well restaurants can find us uh, uh, you know through uh, uh, a simple search of uh, my name or uh, right. or the company name, but um, other listeners can experience and um, and taste these foods through some of the you know pretty much all top 50, 60 restaurants in the city. Exciting. Pretty much, oh, that would all it's carry a, that. I mean, they're beautiful. beautiful. Um, yeah. All right, thank listen, you so thank much. you so much. For okay. The- we're going to take a quick break. Why don't we take a break early? Okay, and then when go. we come back, uh, we'll get into some more cocktails. We'll some and then we'll have some butter chicken. Hubba, hubba. David and Nikki Nellis will be back in just a sec. All right. We're back on Fooding the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. And I'm, I mean, we have got such food in front of us. It's unbelievable. Before we get back to the show, I just want to thank our sponsors. Mm-hmm. Fabulous Mirabelle Restaurant downtown, the Ottoman Taverna. Uh, two Italian eateries, Alba Osteria and Al Dente. The new Brasserie Liberté just opened up in Georgetown. Last week? We were just there at the opening. Good, Beautiful. Good food. Good food for breakfast, too. Yeah, They're open breakfast, at 8. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. 
Uh, Profish, terrific sustainable seafood, Ivy City Smokehouse, Meat Crafters, and Central Farm Markets. And unfortunately, we weren't able to talk to Mitch today, so we'll double talk to him next week. Yes. All right? Okay. So, let's talk butter chicken. Asad Sheikh is an entrepreneur. I don't know if you grew up in the butter chicken business. I'm going to say that you probably didn't, but you've got a great uh, uh, Bombay street food operation. Talk about it a little. Uh, David and Nikki, thanks for having me here. Thanks Thank for being here. Us. It's my pleasure having coming here Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Usually I don't get up that early Sunday, but Neither I did do for we, you. But here we are. <laughs> so, well, the Butter Chicken Company has been open almost uh, exactly uh, give and take like a month, a little over a month. Mm-hmm. And uh, the unique and concept about this is that we serve only 300 servings a day. So what we do is everybody knows if it's Indian cuisine, they know butter chicken is one of the most popular Indian dish. Sure. It's true. So we went to the source, which is Old Delhi in India. Me and my chef, Kumar, mm-hmm. we learned from the originator who started making this butter chicken back in 1950s. Their grandson is doing this now. So we come in the morning, about four hours, we make for 300 people and we sold out. So since the first day we opened at 11.30, we were sold out by 12.45, 1 o'clock. Okay. Would you do go to so the pool is, after that? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have other business to take care of. Oh, you know, wow, I wish okay. I can. <laughs> but uh, this is happening for a whole month now. Mm-hmm. So 2 o'clock we sold out, sometimes 3 o'clock we sold out. So uh, the butter chicken comes with two side dishes. Well, I want to ask, doesn't it tell you something? Shouldn't you be making more butter chicken? Mm-hmm. Well, I want to make it limited, unique. You know, I mean, if you make it more, 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 then, you small know, batch butter small chicken. Small batch, yeah. Right. So for people who are not familiar with butter chicken, can you tell us a little bit? Can we educate the public just on what it is exactly and why it's such a famous dish from India? Um, yeah, butter chicken, um, it's with the tomato, fresh tomato, or some make with tomato puree and uh, half and half cream. Mm-hmm. So these are the two main ingredients, and then ginger garlic. And then comes with uh, some used chicken breast, some chicken thigh, okay. which is uh, baked in a tandoor oven. Mm-hmm. So this is some of the restaurants that make it a little sweeter side, some medium and some spice. Mm-hmm. So we are right on the medium side of it. Since it started like 1950s and became so popular all around the world, butter chicken is known as one of the most popular Indian dish. But why is it called butter chicken? I was just going to ask you. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Yeah, we do use butter I, in I this. I don't know if you've been here for the whole show, but I do ask really good questions. Well, I mean, yeah, first time. That's I know you now. <laughs> so, yeah, we do use butter in this. You know, a pure, pure butter. Uh, that's uh, the flavor of the butter in this. It's very high. That's mm-hmm. why it's butter chicken. Okay. See, I have to ask you a good question. Now, why is it called chicken? I'm okay. just kidding. Oh, come on. And so when you go to your spot, what how do what do people order? They just it's just butter chicken. What comes with it? Uh, they can order butter chicken or they can order chicken tikka masala. Chicken okay. tikka masala is another uh, popular dish in Indian cuisine. Mm-hmm. So they can choose either one of them, and they can pick two sides out of three. So one is spinach and cottage cheese. The other one is uh, chickpeas mm-hmm. and uh, vegetable uh, biryani, a spiced vegetable rice. Okay. So they can do, choose any two of the side. So are you finding that most of your your customers are familiar with butter chicken or they're, they're just seeing you and stopping in and trying it for the first time? They are familiar with butter chicken. I mean, I don't know any American who don't know butter chicken. Right. I mean, well, especially in this region. Yes. I mean, it's a pretty savvy Well, it's also a crowd. very international. Right. right. It's pretty international. Um, so, and then... What about uh, your naan? Are you making that? Yes, we make the naan. Um, same thing. We come like two, three hours before we bake the naan in the store. Mm-hmm. And then during the peak hours, we have it ready for about three to 400 people, you know. 
Okay. And then did you also bring, is that Mango Lassi? Yes, Mango Lassi, yes. You can okay. see the Mango Lassi here and you can, oh, I, I you can go ahead and try some. some butter chicken. You know, the whole studio. <laughs> Thank you. The whole studio is a flavor of butter chicken now here. Right. Um, so now that you've done this, are you planning on opening up more? Like, what's your plan? What's the what's the grand scheme here? Um, I have a lot of uh, uh, requests for um, from our regular customers, you know, to open in different locations in downtown D.C. And I'm working with a couple of leases now. Mm-hmm. But same concept, 300 sold out. So when people come in, it's is it made fresh for them? Like I don't, I'm sort of confused on how it's executed. The way we do is we open at 11:30, okay. so our chefs comes around nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. So we make exact quantity so of three to uh, 310 orders servings, mm-hmm. and then we have a huge, a giant copper bowl that we keep right in the right behind the counter, mm-hmm. and which is under the steam. Mm-hmm. So it remains pretty much a good uh, um, temperature. It maintains right. the temperature for for next two three hours. Okay. So it's made every day. We run out. We sold out. And that's it. That's it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Where is your location so people know? Uh, it's eight one eight Eighteenth Street Northwest, Eighteenth okay. and I, like next to Farragut West Metro sure. Station. I think you need more locations. Yeah. I yeah. Too. I mean, I love if you want to invest some. You know, come on right. in. Be my first franchisee. You know. Are you franchising? Yes, yes. Okay. I'm working on that. It probably takes another year, I guess, you know. Mm-hmm. So the goal is to open each one in every state. And just do it just as the same similar concept. Just we make it concept. until it's done and then Correct. gone and gone. Correct, and you're yes. only doing lunch? Only doing lunch, yes. Okay. And that's the, you're going to stick with that? Correct. Yes, yes. You're okay. going to have to look for franchisees that aren't greedy. <laughs> Let's yeah. open for dinner. Right. This well, is this delicious. is delicious. Yeah, it Thank really you is. so much for bringing Thanks. it in. It's Thanks. very My exciting. Pleasure. All right. Tell everybody where they can find you online. And um, and uh, once can again, you, your you address. You can't Grubhub this or any of that. You got to come and buy it. Yes, right? you come and find it. I mean, people calling and say, you know, can I get ten butter chicken? We said no. You have to be in a line because people are standing in a line already. You know. Right. So uh, is there a limit to the number that each person can buy? One. One. One percent at a time. Yes. This is like. No, 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 no. That wasn't his question. If yeah, I come is. in. And I want ten. And I want orders. to order ten. No, can you I order can't. 10? No. I can't. No, you can't. You just had get one. Did you ever see Seinfeld? But what if the I want to get two? I can't get two. <laughs> you remember that? I mean, two we can work with, but not ten, fifteen. Otherwise, then okay. you know can it's. Okay. You stop eating while you're on air. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Well, you can find us on web. It's uh, usabutterchicken.com. No, none for you. Okay. That's what, this is good. It's usabutterchicken.com. I got it. Okay, All right. Great. Thank you. All right, Hi, Dan. Danny come boy. Come back up to the mic. All right, so what did you make here? So, yeah, this is our first of two cocktails here. So this is a, uh, a is mule good. offshoot, a Moscow okay. mule offshoot. Um, uh-huh. I call it either the Medellin mule or, in this case, a hibiscus uh, jalapeno mule. So what uh-huh. we've got in there is uh, original chacho, which is going to be that, that nice spiciness, uh, ginger beer, which is also given a little bit of a spice, uh-huh. uh, lime juice, and then uh, this morning I made a hibiscus syrup. Let's, can we roll back a little? What were you doing in Colombia in the first place? Just hanging out? Uh, honestly, I was just on vacation, you know, you partying, hanging out with my buddies. Uh, just out of college. I was a couple years out of college. Uh, it was one of my first trips out of the country. And, so what uh, did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, so I don't even remember back in the day, but what I was, I did finance and real estate. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was in the hospitality industry, the casino industry and stuff, um, doing uh, corporate finance and real estate finance uh, for different hospitality companies. This is more fun. Uh, this is uh, definitely my preference here. So, so now, when you since. so like in a cocktail, especially the original, I mean, it just adds such depth and flavor. It's really terrific. So when you're out showcasing this to restaurants, how do you sell it to people? 
So I definitely introduce people to the spirit itself first, just because when it's in a cocktail, there's all these different ingredients going on. You don't necessarily know what would be the spirit and what would be the other ingredients. Right. So I introduced the liquor by itself, just like I did with y'all. Um, and then uh, after that, you can really taste the either the spiciness itself or that mm-hmm. green kind of vegetal component. Um, in the case of the original, that all still really shines through. And that was my biggest challenge when I was coming up with the whole formula and recipe. That's why it took me two and a half years just to do that is because I wanted that perfect balance of, you know, not so spicy that you can't enjoy it by itself, right. but spicy enough that it really holds its legs in a cocktail. Mm-hmm. And I think that this cocktail really well, showcases that. One thing we haven't touched on is where we can find it. I mean, um, yeah, so I'm in uh, liquor stores. So DC is home base um, and kind of uh, where, you know, obviously got my uh, start and everything. So I'm in liquor stores all across DC. Mm-hmm. I'm in about uh, 15 ABC stores over in Virginia and slowly um, getting into Maryland as well. So um, if it, if your local neighborhood store doesn't have it, you should definitely chirp uh, the owner there, try and get it in. Uh, but on my website, chachousa.com, C-H-A-C-H-O-U-S-A.com, there's a uh, Find Us uh, tab that has all my locations in the DMV. But uh, since it's like not um, a liquor that a lot of people are f- super familiar with, how do you... Are you doing demos? Like, how do you educate the public oh, on yes. it? So me personally, so it's uh, I go, you know, kind of bar to bar with bottle in hand during the week. Mm-hmm. Um, and then come weekend, the bars are too busy. They don't want you coming in unless you're just hanging out. Uh, mm-hmm. So every Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday afternoon, Saturday night. And then after this, uh, I'll be leaving here and going to a liquor store uh, to do exactly that. Do demos. So do demos. I've got bottles. I'm the person, you know, you come in. You know where else? Sample. Farmer's markets. Uh, so I, I can't quite do that yet because I don't have my own brick and mortar. You got to right. actually have, you a, have to have one um, here. That's but true. very soon and when I uh, when I get my own brick and mortar here open, uh, I will absolutely be in the. So, again, as what's well. the 411 on the brick and mortar? Uh, so if I've learned anything from uh, starting up my own business, I'm absolutely not putting a date on it yet. OK. Um, uh, so I'm hoping early 2020 opening but mm-hmm. um and you know you i'm gonna hit all location? kind of can uh so it's in the fort totten tacoma area mm-hmm. uh so northwest dc oh, right, up by, by the maryland um, border by uh three stars right? yep. so there's three right. stars in hellbender brewery a, a mm-hmm. lot of the distilleries and breweries are over in ivy city uh we're going to be kind of doing they are already doing their own thing credit to them uh and kind of making our own little island over there in the mm-hmm. fort totten tacoma Great. areas Great. all right all right well thank well, you so much tell everybody where they can find you online and um on insta and yeah, et so, yep, exactly so online chachousa.com and then on instagram chacho underscore usa and chacho again is c-h-a-c-h-o Great. Uh, usa thank you thank you all right. thank you so much gotta wrap it up uh, everything do. you heard about on the show today you can find out uh, all the information uh, about it on nikki's website the list mm-hmm. are you on it.com Follow her on Instagram, follow her on Twitter, follow her on Facebook, mm-hmm. follow her everywhere. Yes. All right. Well, so we want to. too close. Okay, enough. So we want to thank all uh, the people who were in today, our sort of pre gaming for Thanksgiving and the holidays. You certainly know uh, what kind of spirit you should buy somebody as a gift, uh, where you should go for some Italian treats for teacher gifts or maybe for yourself. And you should be ordering game, obviously, when you go into a restaurant because it's the uh, right way to eat. There's an amazing food policy event. You should certainly check that out, too. And uh, while you're eating really good food, have some butter chicken. So thank you again uh, for everybody for coming in studio. We are off next week for the Thanksgiving holiday. But when we come back, uh, we are going to have lots of fun in studio. Stalina, the very hot pizza place, will be in studio along with others. So uh, thank you again to everybody, and please have a delicious and healthy and safe Thanksgiving.